everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Cinematropolis, and your host today, Caleb Masters, and I'm podcasting straight from Dead Center, and we have been giving you Dead Center content all week long following the festival, but I'm very excited to be joined by our entire Cinematropolis Dead Center team who has been going to the festival, watching all the movies, writing essays, and they all, I, we, I just thought it'd be awesome to bring us all together. Well, what was our favorite part? What did we like? And maybe talk about some of the films we saw that maybe you won't have, a, that maybe that are on your radar already. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce the table, uh, starting to my left, uh, Mr. Bo Kemper, sir, introduce yourself. Howdy, I'm Daniel Bo Kemper, of course, with the Cinematropolis, also contributor to World Literature Today and the Oklahoma Gazette. Hey there, I'm Alexandra Bohannon, frequent podcaster on the Cinematic Schematic with our monthly program soundtrack and then various and sundry other media outlets. Of course, I have written for the Cinematropolis, Good Trash Media, and um, lots of other places on the internet. Sir? Hi, this is Christopher Schultz. I write for the Cinematropolis, for LitReactor.com, uh, as well as various other uh, venues for fiction writing. And I'm Kevin Tudor. I'm a writer at Cinematropolis, a regular writer at Daily Grindhouse, and just a regular freelancer. All right. Well, hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining the, the show today. So uh, let's just get some impressions of the festival so far. Have you guys all had a lot of fun? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah? See a lot. See... <laughs> <laughs> See, I, he's so muted. I just want him to, you know, emote his enjoyment of the festival. I, I mean, if you want or whatever. No, I've had a great time. Absolutely, it's uh, this is my first time at Dead Center. Um, oh. Yeah, so uh, so it's been great. Yeah, a um, lot of really great films so far, and. Um, and uh, despite the heat, it's it's been an awesome time. Oh, yes. It's not dead center if you're not standing in the sun in 95-degree weather at least once. All right. Well, so uh, favorite part of the festival. Start with you, Kevin. Throw it to you, man. What, 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 what have you enjoyed the most? Uh, world premiere of you, people. That will be the one that I remember the most. And definitely seeing uh, LeBron win his best Oklahoma feature was the best about that as well. And it was just packed house. It was really fun. I, I was going to say the films, especially some of the documentaries and hybridized documentaries I caught. But while we were waiting outside, we saw a caravan of uh, five dads on segways. <laughs> it's true. We did witness the, the segways. The segway. <laughs> I, so I'm pretty sure that takes the cake. <laughs> so I had a couple of pieces that I worked on in the festival. So definitely seeing, you know, You People and Homecoming Trilogy on the big screen after the Lots oh, of love oh. and labor upon manners, it. <laughs> manners. You actually worked on films in this festival. Manners. I, 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 yeah. I, 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 Captain, I did. Uh, so, yeah. So seeing that on the big screen, really gratifying um, both of those pieces. And, of course, seeing our VR film as well, uh, Seduction. So that was really great. Excellent. Yeah. The two shorts collections that I've seen so far have been particularly excellent, and, and we'll probably go into more detail on that later. But um, I, I also would like to mention the, um, the the people in like Pikachu and Scooby-Doo costumes oh who've God. been sort of stalking around yes. uh, Harkins Theater this entire time. And, they, uh, they won't go away. They will not. No. Um, is there a reason? Why, why is there one? Hey, E3, E3 guess, yeah. is Money. this week. E3 this is, is this week. But also because that actually E3 is a joke. They're down here all the time. They do this randomly all the time. Yeah, big events. I'm sure they're up here for like Red Hawks. Well, sorry, Dodgers games. Um, man, Ooh, I feel old. Hey, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they, will ask, they will ask for like tips and stuff. And they're, they're, they're apparently fairly uh, antagonistic. If if you don't give if you don't give them tips, they're <laughs> yeah. like those people. Have you guys ever been? It's like New York City, yeah, like yeah, straight yeah. up Times Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Times Square or, or Hollywood Times Boulevard Square. when they're in the costumes. Like I totally did that one time. I like 
first time to Hollywood Boulevard, had no clue. I'm like, oh, these people are in costumes. I guess they're getting paid to do this, right? So I went and got a picture. Darth Vader on his giant elevator shoes puts his hand out, and I'm like, uh, I don't have any cash. And he's any and well, no, and then and then he did that, and then like gave me a uh, you know a dirty head nod. So uh, <laughs> um, so cool. So it sounds like we've all had some good various experience. The Pikachu costumes, seeing films, uh, your own films on the big screen, some shorts. This is very cool, and seeing our friends premiere films, mm-hmm. all things I enjoyed about Dead Center. Uh, you people was a big one for me too. Uh, anyone who's been listening to the show or following me online, uh, even back in the Good Trash days, knows that. Uh, me and Laurent are, are good friends. He's been making this movie the entire time I have known him. <laughs> he was in pre-production. He was fundraising when I first met him and had him on my, my podcast. We did a La La Land review a couple of years back. And uh, ever since then, I've, I've been getting these little updates here and there about how it was coming along. So it was uh, really great to see a guy who's worked so hard and has uh, a really powerful story to tell to, to make the movie he wanted to make. Got it on the big screen. It was very well received. So I think that was really, really great to see um, him lift it up uh, in that way. And he deserves it. Um, but let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about the films. I think we all caught some shorts, some features, maybe, and some documentaries, I think, by and large. Uh, let's start with features, though. Did you guys have any particular favorites, Daniel? Yeah, so, well, at first, I'm, I'm like I think many of us here, an A24 fanboy, so I initially went into Woman Walks Ahead just expecting it to, to blow me away, and unfortunately didn't. Fortunately, however, the following morning, I caught Thy Kingdom Come, which is, it, it's kind of a, I mean, it, it technically is a, a narrative feature, I believe, but it's also in part a documentary, and it was made over with, or it was made with leftover footage from uh, To the Wonder, uh, it's by a film by uh, Eugene and uh, Janine Richards, um, and it's really just uh, kind of a, a candid examination of uh, residents of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, specifically those impoverished, while they just spill out their hearts to Javier Bardem. Um, and so what was originally supposed to be about a minute and a half vignette turned into this about 50-minute uh, just wonderful conversation about both both something that's, for the most part, grotesque, but also just beautiful and and just it lets you kind of reminds us of how you know sometimes maybe clinically a studio might expect just to have these natural moments just to be used out of convenience whereas within that that process you find just this 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 incredible examination of of real people well, yeah, I think that's a good point. And for listeners out there who might not be familiar with To the Wonder, that is a Terrence Malick film right. uh, from several years ago that was actually shot here in Oklahoma in Bartlesville. Mm-hmm. And the, the documentary itself was, was that, uh, my understanding was it was footage they didn't use in the film, correct? Yeah, for the most part. So um, Eugene and, and Janine, they were basically given a, handed a red camera and said, like, make something. And, and then they drove around Javier Bardem. Uh, for a limited amount of time, while he basically it was basically him getting into his character as a as a priest, and they, you know, it, it's bizarre because they the film came out like eight years ago. They did mm-hmm. all of their work for it, and the uh, the studio I can't recall which uh, held on to that footage. Ultimately, they relinquished it, but they didn't give the Richards authorization to produce a film out of it until two weeks before the festival itself. They weren't even sure if they were going to be able to ultimately show this, apparently. And, and uh, fortunately, they did get clearance, uh, very timely clearance, but clearance nonetheless. 
uh, to brew something that that in all honesty I thought was a little bit more valuable than to the wonder itself. I, I praise I mean, my dude. It, it is high praise, and that, you know, to the wonder, uh, it's a Terrence Malick film in the truest sense, and there are things that are brilliant about it, and there are things that are frustrating, right. as always. All right, well, Alexandra, how about you? Speaking of uh, our features, I unfortunately um, wasn't able to catch everything because we, I, I was really trying to prioritize getting in those lines because that's one thing about being in a film festival that's grown so much is uh, definitely it's got more of like your South by Al Austin Film Fest is like you know some of these lines are like hour hour. It's a, it's on a film 30. festival if you're not waiting for at least an hour exactly. at somewhere. Right, right. So um, one of one of the lines I prioritized was Jurassic Games, uh, screening for one night only uh, in Harkins Theater and to of course a sold out packed house. Um, wow, I I wasn't really uh, I, I definitely had and we had a conversation Caleb and I um, with uh, one of the stars Adam Hampton and then uh, Caleb has had his own conversations with. Uh, uh, the director Ryan Belgard, and, um, and and also the other Ryan Ryan Merriman, the Ryans. Oh, the, oh my God, the, it's the three Ryans, the, dy- the three I, I missed that. Yes, I, I missed the chance to make that joke on the podcast, so I'm making oh, it right now. Okay, the dynamic Ryan duo redeemed yourself. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I went into this movie, th- kind of expecting more of like. Remember after a scary movie came out, they like stopped making like scary movie franchises, and they like just made all those like like epic movie and like all those kind of weird, like not definitely movie for yeah. 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 Like they're, they're like just rips. They're not horror movie rips, epic but just movie, popular date movie, date movie, disaster movie. Yeah. It's like all the, like the, you know, the, the genre tropey, crap mm-hmm. and then like just homages. I was kind of expecting something more in that line. Um, but what I got instead was actually um, uh, sometimes campy but a thoughtful uh, discussion about the natures of capital punishment. I mean the mu- as much as you can with a film that's about uh, dinosaurs and your head exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah so like I was actually kind of surprised that I got more of a more nuanced conversation from a film called Jurassic Games than I anticipated. Yeah no Alex I think that's a great point. I had uh, you know I was uh, so the thing about this movie was, I the, the the trailer for it came out the same day as one of the Jurassic World trailers. Again, very clever marketing on Pro. their on their point. Pro and strats. I remember say, saying, I was like, you know what? I'm actually more excited about the Jurassic Games than I am Jurassic World same. sequel. And you know what? I wasn't disappointed. I think I I think I really like Jurassic Games more than I like Jurassic World, um, because it's not aggressively stupid. They, I mean, like the, the premise sounds silly and over the top, and the and the movie does I think embrace that in, at points. Yes. But underneath it all, there's actually some really ambitious ideas talking about capital punishment talking about uh, the nature of celebrity culture and reality television yes exactly yeah. and America's obsession with watching violence to real to real people like these are all things that the movie in one way one way or another has a conversation about and I unlike you know other films like Jurassic World like they don't just throw those ideas in there that don't go back to it it does a lot of those do resolve in some manner I'm like okay cool there was a lot more to it than you would you would expect watching the trailer sure and then the ending which i really appreciated and i'm not going to spoil it but it basically i mean i think the ending of the film is extremely realistic as if we were put in this situation today like what would happen um at the outset of like having such a violent program like the jurassic games on television oh so. no totally sequel baby come on yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh man gotta get those uh dinosaurs with hand grenades somehow so uh anyway uh but yeah so jurassic games uh, definitely would recommend as uh, we discussed on our conversation with adam hampton you can watch it everywhere june 12th on streaming services across the country and then of course uh big release july 3rd physical copies red box walmart things like that oh, so just stuff. wanted to get that plug plug and chug in there and so. that guy's watching 
watch it. Seriously, I'm not even Worth joking. I had a great time with it, yeah. and it keeps it tight too. You can like I didn't get bored. I didn't. You didn't get bored, and then there's not a lot of bloat there, so you're just like you're here for the dinosaurs. They know that, and like let's talk. Let's go. Speaking of, speaking with you, Alex. This is, this is we're at the sidebar. We're gonna figure out who did the score for that movie because I liked it a lot. It reminded a bit. It reminded me of a Donkey Kong Country game, but in a good way. <laughs> that definitely I know needs, that sounds, needs another watch for I, me to like really. Pick I know up that on sounds it. ridiculous, but I was like, it's an electronic thing, but it's got like melodic and it's got an atmosphere to it that oh, reminds yeah. me of it was Donkey Kong. Country. Oh, not the Donkey Kong rap. I got my. No, 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 no not the Donkey Kong rap. The, the right. score, Damn. not not the not the. Yeah, absolutely. Christopher, feature film. Well, the the feature that I'm still reeling from uh, was last night's screen of Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich, um, which which Caleb also saw. He saw it twice. I saw, uh, I saw so it he's, twice. He's he's ahead of me on that one. Uh, but I don't uh, think I can. I don't think my brain could process it a third time in a row, at least. <laughs> oh man, I, I mean, this. If you're familiar with the Puppet Master series of, of films, you know they they they're a little hokey. Um, they're great. They're fun, um, but you know they're they're about little puppets killing people. This this movie surprised me so much because it took that concept and made it something that, while while not necessarily scary in the sense that you know we're scared of these puppets coming after us, um, but really disturbing, um, and 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 very much I think steeped in some social commentary about you know the current state of. Uh, uh, of hate uh, concerning what? Nazis yes, cause rising the, up. Right, because these are Nazi puppets. We should go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah. Right, right. If the Littlest Reich uh, was, was not an indicator, these, these are Nazi puppets yes. now um, designed by a Nazi sympathizer. Um, and, and some of just the most extreme violence I, I have seen in a movie in a while. And, and there's, there's a particular scene that I will not spoil, but... My God. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, you think, I feel like both of us are pretty seasoned with horror films. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Mean, I mean, we we've, we feel like you've seen it all, but there's a, there's at least one thing, at least in this movie, I uh, flabbergasted. Yeah. And I was like, I was laughing because of how, I mean, it's, it's a, it, you're, you're laughing because of how uncomfortable it is, but it's like, who came up with this idea? How did they? What, their their minds are so twisted. Yep. Oh, we should probably throw out there the the writer of this film, S. Craig Zoller, who wrote uh, Bone Tomahawk and hey. uh, was it Battle on Cell Block ninety nine? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you know how those films are ridiculously gory. Mm-hmm. Well, crank that up a lot. Yeah. And you got you have the little strike. We had the uh, effects uh, master there, the effects team. Um, lead tate i don't remember his last name but he spoke a lot about the creation of those effects and that that was really entertaining uh aspect of of not just the screening itself the film itself but having that panel afterwards um to kind of talk about it but 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 yeah i this is one of the first times in a really long while that i sat through a horror film and just went oh 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 damn (laughs) you know and you don't know how you feel about it in the moment you're like what Whoa! Yeah. Whoa. The, the fun part for me on that one was watching it the second time because it was so horrifying. But I had a very visceral reaction the first time I watched it, where I like reacted very strong. Like I actually audibly shouted, like "Oh shit!" Like really loud in the theater because I was <laughs> and I moved in my chair. I was like squirming. It was crazy. Yeah. And um, the second time, the fun was like knowing when that was coming and seeing how the audience was going to react. I was like, "Are they going to go for it?" And I mean, they went for it. Everyone had the same like crazy reaction. You know, it's like one of those. 
scenes in a movie where you see an audience reaction from a horror movie, everyone goes, ah, you know, it was, yeah, it had, had all that full, full blown. I was sitting next to you and that, that scene, the scene we were just talking about in particular, I, I, I did, I think hear an audible sort of, oh, (laughs) from you. Okay. Something's coming. (laughs) Well, and it was funny too, because there were people like next to us who were whispering stuff and I was like, oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. Oh yeah. They, they, they were in for it for sure. Uh, Kevin, how about you? Um, narrative feature? Yeah, narrative feature. Well, I did only see one, and I'm not going to recommend it. So I could go into documentaries because I saw a few documentaries. But yeah, the only narrative feature I saw was accommodations. And it was a little bit of a letdown? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more. Uh, give me the idea. Uh, tell me a little bit more about accommodations. Okay, so it's about um, pretty much a high-class New York couple that um, I guess they're just tired of keeping up with the Joneses or whatnot, or at least the, the wife is, and she just says that she's not going to be involved in it anymore. And then subsequently after that, her husband like quits his CEO job, and then they start Airbnb in their apartment. And I after that, there's really just no plot to it. It's just more zaniness that I did not connect with. So the characters were hard to connect with, it oh, sounds yeah. like. Oh, yeah. Okay, so accommodations not recommended from Kevin. Fair point, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not, every, not every film uh, at a film festival is a home run. That'll do it for a narrative feature. Now, Christopher, one thing that you got to do that I was very jealous of, you get to see two shorts blocks that, especially after reading your review on cinematropolis.com, I was like, dude, I've got to catch this. The After Dark shorts and the Femme Fatale shorts. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the After Dark uh, shorts was um, not porno, as it was pointed out uh, by the host <laughs> of the screening that I went to, um, but just uh, you know, the shorts that are a little more um, like experimental, I guess. They were they were a lot weirder, um, and there were some really solid short films. In fact, really altogether, uh, of the seven films, there really wasn't a bad one. Um, but um, the the two, well, the three, I guess, that, I, that really stood out to me was the first, which, um, the first short film, which was Mammon, um, which is is about a mecha Trump. <laughs> um, I saw that the picture you used on that logo. I was like, oh man, I got to see this yeah. mecha Trump. Mecha Trump. Um, and uh, it it I, I won't say much more about it other than that. Just so like, kind of so like mecha Hitler from Wolfenstein. Yeah, but Trump. Oh, yeah, okay. or Mecha Godzilla. Um, mecha yeah. Barbra Streisand. Mecha Barbra Streisand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then uh, there were two others um, in the in the after darks uh, after dark shorts, which was I, I mean I, I could go on about all of them, but the one the two other real standouts were uh, Winston, which was an animated uh, short film, uh, which in my review I wrote that it was like a cross between Edgar Allan Poe and Darren Aronofsky, good combination, really 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 quality um, horror film about paranoia um, and uh, the wilderness sort of driving you mad i guess um and i won't say much more about it um and then finally lunch ladies uh which was was just hysterical um it it dealt with a pair of you know lunch ladies who are obsessed with johnny depp um who are trying to (laughs) so real lunch ladies real lunch ladies yeah It, it was very true to life um, they they're they're trying to get out to LA so they can work as Johnny Depp's uh, personal chefs, uh, but they have a few roadblocks and uh, things things go into some some rather crazy territory for them before the before the short is over. Um, and then uh, the Femme Fatale shorts again is more just a clever name. Uh, it's it's female directors who are absolutely killing it. Um, 
and the highlights there, um, but Hair Wolf was one in particular that I really enjoyed. Um, I read that you and uh, your your piece you you called it like Get Out, but if it was a comedy, like a real comedy, right? If Get Out was in fact a comedy, um, it would be Hair Wolf, um, and uh, it, yeah, it just it kind of deals with. Um, you know, white ladies appropriating um, black female style, especially where their hair is concerned. Um, really kind of pl- played for laughs, but really abiding satire. Um, and uh, gosh, there were there were several more. Again, this was same, similar with the After Dark's collection. There really wasn't a bad film among these. Um, and then, you know, now that I'm pressed to talk about it, I can't think of another one that stood out. Right. Uh, well, there's I mean, there's a lot of great shorts, and that's the thing about these short films too. Uh, they they get like noticeably better every year. This is my fourth Dead Center, and every year I'm like I'm like, man, these are getting better. Like this year, I feel like that was some A plus material you're talking about. I want to see. I'm going to find a way to watch all of them. <laughs> um, Daniel, we'll throw it to you. What were some of your favorite short films? Yeah. So I really only caught the Oki mediums with you. Regardless, though. Um, those did stand out. The, the first of those was The, um, the Grave, uh, directed by Kyle Roberts, uh, about a uh, Prohibition-era superhero in Oklahoma City uh, fighting crime. I think it's an adaptation of a, an Oklahoma-made comic, right, is right. it not? By Matthew Price, yeah. By yeah. Matthew Price, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting. It, it, one of the things that stood out to me with it was uh, there's an actor I, I keep seeing. I believe his name is Stephen Goodman. And, wait, wait, yeah. Stephen? Who? He's a he's a dead center staple, my yeah, man. I know. Friend, friend of the Cinematropolis Planet Thunder Productions. Yeah, yes, yes. Everybody. Me and yeah. Stephen go back. X Men Apocalypse Review. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yoga, yoga hosers. Oh, yoga hosers. That's right. We, talk, we did that one there, together too. Yeah. yeah. I thought I recognized him from somewhere. Uh, regardless, he is so good at, at at looking pissed off about everything, and I love it. Like he's so good at channeling anger. But he, he really stood out, so I was happy to see him. But just the film in, in general, it's kind of cool to see that, that Oklahoma can be a ground for, for any genre, even the, in the superhero genre. So it definitely had strokes of uh, um, the Green Hornet, I guess, is, yeah. is probably the most uh, appropriate tether I could make. Yeah, and someone, um, I think that just my initial impressions, it had a lot of like that kind of sensitity so you know, overtone. The, yeah, that was uh, the vibe. I actually had did an earlier interview with uh, the director, Kyle Roberts, and he actually said they were, they were because I, I threw out the dead, uh, the uh, Sin City aesthetic too, and yeah, he, he actually said Spirit. that, well, yeah, the, well, and I mentioned that one too. He said they were more inspired by something, and getting a specific, I think the Green Hornet was one of them though. He said, because this is not as... I mean, it, it, it looks Sin City-esque, especially in the like trailers and stuff, but actually most of it's real to life. He said that it was something a little grittier, real to world. It's not like a movie. It's not like the whole thing was shot on a green screen like Sin City, but it does have vibes of that dark noir aesthetic for sure. Yeah, definitely. I definitely recommend checking out that, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, check out that interview with Kyle Roberts because he, he does go a little more in-depth about their inspirations. He schooled me because I, I was I thought that initial, my, my initial reaction was, okay, so they're, they're creating a fictional underground in the 1920s for uh, crime, a reason for, for there to be an underground crime syndicate here. And he's like, no, no, no. During the Prohibition era, when alcohol was illegal, this was actually like a big checkpoint. They moved illegal booze in and out all the time. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. So, yeah. oh, nice. Exciting and, and educational. Yes. I, in that same block, uh, my favorite short, and I didn't actually get to see very many shorts uh, this festival, but the one I really liked was Gray Matter. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. Now, that's the short film that is actually a documentary about... Uh, incarceration of women in Oklahoma. Yeah, now, o- Oklahoma, I mean frequently Oklahoma is is the best at 
some of the worst things, and among them is is female incarceration. We and incarcerate it, twice as many women. We are the number one in the America, and this report actually just came out like this last week. I think America is one of the, like top three or top four countries in the world, and Oklahoma is number one in America for incarceration. Yeah. Yeah. So cool, good on us. I yeah. guess. But yeah, no, no, but but but, <laughs> but, but no, I, I liked the documentary because it, it 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 went and really brought a lot of attention to these women who are incarcerated and made them human characters. I think yeah. a lot of times people forget that these are real and, people that and, we're putting in here. More credit to to director Megan Hickey. I don't know if she's she's done anything else, but uh, very good at asking the question why because uh, uh, one of the the recurring. Uh, inquiry she has in the film is what 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 is it about Oklahoman women? They're not worse. They're not um, different in any way. But what what she continues to identify is the the prevalence of trauma, for whatever reason in Oklahoma specifically. And and while that's a difficult question to answer, especially in the the short the short time a film allows, uh, or a short film allows about twenty five minutes, I think was was the running time of this. It, it's still looks at that and, and to Caleb's point it, it humanizes people we often just just assume are kind of the, the unwanted the discarded right. similar to a way uh, uh, Thy Kingdom Come does with with the uh, you know the, the impoverished residents of, of Bartlesville you know there was an entire sh- uh, short block that unfortunately I did not get to see it was the ally there was a bl- whole block of shorts uh, dedicated to like allies and yeah. it, it was all about bringing more attention to the marginalized groups of people mm-hmm. um, and uh, in fact the uh, shorts programmer uh, Sunrise Tipiconi he, he said that that it was probably his favorite block of shorts uh, and uh, that you should and I'll, I'll go ahead and make sure to link those in the show even though none of I don't think anybody here saw it uh, I, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes as well for you to check those out uh, because it does the same sort of thing where it's bringing attention to people we normally don't think about uh, in a lot of these films that get, get released. I've noticed that's a trend with Dead Center. It just seems very concerned with with empowering you know, groups of people, groups who are disenfranchised, marginalized, and, and I think that's probably what keeps me so invested in this festival is it that it's concerned with um, you know, with, with what people would, would disregard in society, the unwanted what people would disregard in society, the unwanted. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll just throw it out there. I can't wait. Um, it was super exciting to see Leron Chapman get his film released. And it was well-received, uh, you know, having a person of color in there. I'm, I'm really excited to see when, when women... We have, obviously, had an entire block of shorts dedicated to women filmmakers. I'm really excited to see uh, women step up to the plate for... Uh, uh, feature, feature, for Oki Features. For, for sure. Feature, yeah. So, Alex, yeah, actually, how about you? What was your favorite short? Well, I only got to see one shorts block, uh, Oki Shorts, not Oki Mediums, just the the regular flavor of shorts. Um, and uh, one one reason is, you know, it's it's their most popular block every year. So you basically, it's, I mean, it's kind of like a ride to Disneyland. You really have to get in line for this block, like an hour 30 in advance. Um, and so basically, um, I was I was there also to support my compadres, um, Brian Gilliland, who did an o- the office case, the winner of OKC's 48. The first film accepted in Dead Center every year is the winner of the 48. And And it has a dragon. And it has a dragon that was completely animated, rendered, and completed in 48 hours by uh, by one of my great friends, Matt Gardaki. Um, So that's, of course, you know, so I had bros in. I had a film in um, Lance McDaniel's uh, Homecoming Trilogy, which I was the unit production manager on. We shot in Alva, um, which was definitely check that out um, whenever it becomes available. Um, But outside the ones that are my bros and the one I worked on. Um, uh, some standouts for me, definitely uh, Unlucky Day, directed by Ethan Norvell. Basically, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a film, um, it's a student film, and I know we all have ideas in our head about what student films look and sound like, but it is one of the most professionally done 
student films I've ever seen in my life, you would n- not know that it was it has like the that moniker of a student film, you know. Um, but it, yeah, it's I mean, going to say that we're growing great filmmakers in Oklahoma. These kids are just. I mean, crushed it. It's basically, it's a straight up noir, no camp, nothing. It is about a woman who gets mistakenly kidnapped and uh, just the situation she's put into, into this interrogation. And it is straight up noir, um, beautifully shot, um, amazing environments, uh, just a fantastic standout. Um, Of course, uh, Brian Law's uh, Rock, Paper, Scissor, that's a big standout um, this year and definitely worth, worth a mention. Um, I also like Domestic City, Oklahoma, which is uh, directed by Nicole Emmons-Williams, a female director. Um, It's definitely more of kind of like an art piece type of film. It is a mix of mediums. It has uh, live action, of course, and it has stop animation. Um, Just like a lot of different mediums about, you know, how women kind of kind of be incarcerated by these uh, trappings of do- domesticity um, in, in the home, but in like a really very surreal way uh, with mermaids at the end of it. It's really great. And then um, another one was uh, As She Goes, another female uh, filmmaker uh, talking about just kind of like social anxiety, but done in like a non, it was non-linearly edited. So it was really a clever way because you don't really know what it's about until it's over. And that's like a really... It was really just powerful. I mean, there's so many standouts in our Oki or Oki uh, shorts block this year. I mean, again, talk about the quality just being every every year it gets punched up another level. And um, I'm really proud to be having been on the stage with the rest of those uh, filmmakers. Well deserved. And uh, did you get to check out the VR version of Home, uh, Homecoming? Heck yeah, Selection? I did. Uh, yeah. So one of our uh, things, whenever we created uh, the Homecoming trilogy with uh, director Lance McDaniel and Planet Thunder, was the fact that there was a VR component. So we shot the whole thing in VR, and we only released uh, the third. It's kind of weird. It's like a trilogy of three short films that are all have the same through line. So only the third one screened at Dead Center this year, uh, which was Seduction. Basically, um, it is a it is a basically interpretive da- dan- a very passionate interpretive dance. I'll say it that way. Um, um, and uh, it's a woman struggling with uh, being kind of like triggered back into an old lifestyle by a flame who was who introduced her into drugs after she had gotten out of prison and uh, how she falls back into those really sad habits. It's, it's not an extremely uplifting film, but it's, hey, it's beautifully shot and it's in VR. So uh, not sure how one might see that VR film in the future, but definitely worth your time. Keep your eyes peeled for that. That's, yes. uh, it's great. The VR experience was, I actually, it's funny, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the traditionally shot one. But I did see the VR experience. I saw Seduction and yeah. VR, but I haven't seen the traditionally shot the whole trilogy. Yeah. And um, w- one thing, and I talk about this uh, in another one of my interviews, is how cool the transitions looked mm-hmm. when you cut. Like, you know, when you do those fade-ins and fade-outs and the, the dancers moving around, it right. looked really cool in VR. Yeah, like way, it, it was probably the most thing that stood out to me most about the VR experience versus the traditional experience. Yeah, yeah. And there are some just really beautiful locations. I mean, I was there in that really hot as fuck cornfield and so it's just like at the end of it and we're all just baking in this noonday august sun um with no shade because it's a cornfield um and seeing that environment again it's like i was here but god this was beautiful and i get to be in air conditioning watching it (laughs) so um yeah those that's kind of the just saw oaky shorts and it was really great experience Uh, i'm sure all these filmmakers have I mean, Lance, who's already very well established in his career, um, you know, and this is a passion project, but like the people up and comers definitely 
people to look out for, for sure. Very exciting. Uh, Kevin, how about you? For shorts? Yeah. I saw no shorts. Kevin has no shorts. Nope. <laughs> Zero shorts. All right, well, Kevin, well, I'll throw this at you then. Uh, favorite documentary? Um, I caught no docs, so. Oh, dang. Um, got, got no docs. Well, opening night, first screening, I was able to catch the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders documentary. And um, it was real. I think it was almost a sold out screening at the MOA, which a sold out screening there is really tight. But it was huge crowd pleaser. Like, I've never heard so many people be able to audibly hear so many people cry during a movie. And I was surprised that it actually got to that point during the documentary. But it was a very just like short 90 minute very entertaining documentary. I had some problems with it afterwards, mostly when I was writing about it and I was going back on it. But I mean, it's a very just like crowd pleasing documentary and it's fun to watch something that you probably never really thought about that much and how they delve into that. And it was a cool time to open up the festival with. Good way to kick it off. Didn't you say, uh, if I read your piece right, they they actually had some of the cheerleaders on the stage yeah, for Q&A afterwards? Yeah, they had two of them, yeah. That's, uh, that's super exciting. Yeah, including the... Uh, pro- the producer or one of the producers was there as well. Oh, very cool. Uh, Daniel, how about you? By far, it, it, it had to be how. I, I say by far because there's a lot of excellent documentaries consistently at Dead Center. I think that's one of the one of the best showcases. But uh, how, the, it's Amy Scott, who's an Oklahoma University alumnus. Uh, her documentary, also the recipient of Dead Center's uh, Special Jury Prize for a documentary feature, uh, follows the life and work of Hal Ashby. It's it's really a, a basically a film lover's documentary. It, it not only looks at the, the most prominent films he has in the 70s, um, such as, you know, being there, The Last Detail, of course, Harold and Maude, Landlords, uh, or The Landlord, excuse me. Um, it also... Uh, looks into his his cause, his his rebellion against this, you know, in the wake of of Spielberg, essentially in these big, you know, really when blockbusters were starting to kind of hit their stride and, and check out the Cinematropolis. The eighties, the eighties killed Ashby. It, they did, yeah. yeah, and and arguably you would some people uh, suspect. I think maybe maybe unjustly so that that a few other things killed uh, Ashby but among them was was his his loss of agency to the studio um, his his last film which was probably his worst eight million ways to die yeah. uh, starring Jeff Bridges was was not really his it was basically taken from him and, and two years later he he dies um, I mean, after, during the 80s I mean new Hollywood in general just died where the studio didn't want right. to with auteurs at all well so, I mean, exactly you know and that's the, the film documents that really well because basically they showed how he was up there with Scorsese and yeah. uh, you know, and, and Francis Ford Coppola, he was one of those guys. He came oh, up with yeah. those same guys, but he was uh, he wasn't able to adapt with the studio, and the studio was very demanding of him as well. And he felt like it was con- him him working within the studio confines was compromising him as an artist. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, yeah, his last last film that was a tragedy. He shot this film, and the studio took it away from an editing room. Like, yeah. Well, they were under the impression that you know the director doesn't really do much. They're a vehicle. They're a tool. Um, once the film is shot, it, it that's so they thought that's when the director's influence ends, and and it does not. Um, some may argue that maybe maybe uh, Ashby was a bit tired. I would be, especially given the frustration. And the film is really good. It has um, a lot of the film is built around the correspondence between him and Norman. I can't recall his colleague's name, but but one of the uh, sort of who he served as an apprentice for. Right. Um, he was famous for In the Heat of the Night. 
uh, was one of him's films in The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. And it, it really is telling how, how frustrated and angry he was and, he, and, he, and he, you know, how, how ultimately it broke him down. Unfortunately, yeah, and tragically, and, and tragically, because at the end of the day, he sued the studio because they ruined his film, and then, he, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the sad thing is, you know, because he lost, like it's, and then the film even makes a point to say, when you go up against a studio, you're gonna lose. Yeah, and for many years, people just assumed he was. I mean, especially in the industry, that he was just like a coke addict that, that right. lost himself to to drug abuse, and really, it's far from the truth. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also worth noting that film. That's a great documentary. Included a huge number of interviewees. They had Jeff Bridges in there. They had Jane Fonda. Uh, Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda uh, Judd Apatow. Like they they got some. She interviewed some A plus people. Yeah. And uh, I liked in the Q and A in the film, following my viewing of the film. She talked about, hey, people love this guy so much. Like mm-hmm. normally, they you know. They were he was these people, these really high profile people were easy to get because they loved him so much and no one ever asks about him. Yeah, uh, that was really that was and really touching. So, so ahead of his time too, one of the first people to even address white privilege. Yeah, uh, in a film to do that in the seventies to be and 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 you know to not um, and he he acknowledges his own privilege readily throughout a lot of his work and and I don't know you don't really see that from any you see it but he was the only one who happened to have a studio behind him to where right. his films were actually visible and accessible. Right. Uh, right, we'll go ahead and throw it to you, Christopher. Uh, favorite documentary? Um, well, I saw no uh, feature-length uh, documentaries. Um, there was a short uh, included in the uh, Femme Fatale, um, circling back around to that one, because since I couldn't think of another one from that <laughs> collection earlier. Uh, but it was called Mickey and Her Pets. Um, and it, it's, it, for one thing, if, if, you're, if you're squeamish at all, there's some very like graphic, like depictions of taxidermy uh, happening, like how they do it. Um, so, so if you ever catch this one, just know that's coming. But um, aside from that, it's actually this very sort of wholesome um, look at this girl uh, who lives in Chicago who is attempting to make a you know a, a stuff a peacock to go to this uh, national taxidermy convention. Um, and it's just, it's very, it's just like a sweet, nice little view into this, this woman's, um, you know, attempt to sort of enter into this male dominated world of taxidermy. Um, very much this fish out of water, you know, she's got tattoos, she's, um, you know, sort of young alternative looking, I guess. And, and, you know, here are all these men and like, uh, camo <laughs> gear and and you know polo shirts and everything um, and but but she's very well received and it seems to be, you know she gets a lot of compliments for her for her uh, for her piece and yeah it was just it it's it's one of those that really kind of sticks with you afterwards uh, there's nothing really like immense happening in it nothing like very impactful or huge or anything but it's just sort of this nice you know little story um, so yeah. All right, very cool. Uh, well, guys, uh, thanks so much for taking time to, uh, you know, kind of unwind and talk a little bit about Dead Center. Uh, thank you guys so much for all the contributions you made on, on the website, on the cinematropolis.com. You guys have multiple reaction shots. Alexandra, thanks for two things. Thank you for making uh, movies to play in the oh, festival. Well. And uh, thanks for hopping on the show at a moment's notice to, to talk about your Dead Center experience. Um, it's uh, Hey, yeah, totally. Always great talking with all of you gents. Um, now, before we close out, I want to give uh, you a chance to let everyone know where, where's the best place to find you online. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, Twitter at Kev Tudor, K-E-V-T-U-D-O-R. All right. Christopher? 
Uh, really, the best place is to just go to my website, uh, which is ChristopherSchultz.com. Uh, and the last name is S-H-U-L-T-Z. No C in that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't fudge it like I did. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Alexandra? You can find me on Twitter at Alex V. Brohannon, B-R-O-H-A-N-N-O-N. And you can all obviously follow my works on thecinematropolis.com and... Um, everywhere else i guess everywhere else yeah like everywhere that. literally everywhere daniel and daniel bocamper you can find me at twitter at daniel underscore bocamper that's b-o-k-e-m-p-e-r i don't even know if i spelled it right just now so just keep guessing and you'll eventually you'll eventually hit it yeah okay bocamper gotcha got it got it oh googled it right there see it is this it that's what you <laughs> I, I, I can't spell my own name, unfortunately. Sorry. I think. All right. Uh, all right. And of course, as always, you can find me uh, on Twitter tweeting about all the things at, at C Masters Talk. That's the letter C Masters Talk. You can follow the Cinematropolis uh, at the Cinematrop on Twitter and Instagram or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Cinematropolis. Uh, this has been the, your recap of our Dead Center 2018 coverage. Gentlemen, Alexandra. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs> My gender identity is just Alexandra. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for joining us today. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.